Fashion experts all agree accessorizing makes us feel beautiful and we all deserve to feel beautiful, don't we? Let's turn our attention to our beautiful model showcasing the first prize ensemble from the 2012 Art Directors Club of Denver's Paper Fashion Show. No longer saved for special occasions, wings are one of the hottest fashion looks of the season and they go with everything. Wings have definitely made a strong comeback among fashionistas and celebrities alike. These wings will take your shoulders from ordinary to extraordinary without spending a fortune. Katie Hohen, our modeling, is modeling this must-have paper gown crafted by Elizabeth, Stephanie, and Robin of the design team Pulp Function. These ladies dedicated over 120 hours softening paper by hand to create this flowing fabric-like effect. The result is an eye-popping, spectacular work of art. Katie has slipped these, slipped these glittering wings on for a breezy Sunday stroll along 16th Street Mall. Barry Brown, the team's wingman, spent 150 hours creating the wings using paper, wire, glue, and of course, glitter. These wings fluttered away with the Best Accessories Award. Well, certainly, they were the biggest accessory. This design is called the Butterfly Effect. We call it beautiful. It is a statement piece that won't be forgotten. Let's give a thank you to our lovely model, Katie Ho. <laughs> so, I'd like to introduce to you the creator of that dress, our own Barry Brown. So, Barry, come on down here. Have you heard of the butterfly effect? It was a doctoral thesis written in 1964 by Edward Lawrence. It was presented to the New York Academy of Sciences and laughed out of the place because it sounded crazy. The butterfly effect stated that a butterfly could flutter its wings, setting molecules of air in motion that could potentially change the weather patterns on the other side of the planet. The butterfly effect. It was ridiculous. But in the mid-90s, physics professors proved that the butterfly effect was accurate and viable, and it worked with any form of moving matter, including people. So they gave it the status of a law. Just like the law of gravity, the butterfly effect is now known as the law of sensitive dependence upon initial conditions. And it works every time. Have you ever heard a little grandmother say this phrase, this crustist phrase, there, there, honey, it'll all work out in the end? Those sayings frustrate me. Because, well, no, it hasn't all worked out. Has it all worked out for you? Then it's not the end. You see, this is God's story. And he gets what he wants in the end. Andy Andrews wrote a book entitled The Boy Who Changed the World. And it goes like this. The TV news recently recognized Norman Borlaug as person of the week. They said his work saved over two billion people's lives from famine, and for that, he was person of the week. <laughs> now you should know that it really wasn't Norman Borlaug who saved those two billion people. It was a guy named Henry Wallace. 
Henry Wallace was the Secretary of Agriculture who became Vice President of the United States under Roosevelt. And he created a station in Mexico whose sole purpose was to hybridize corn and wheat for arid climates. He hired a young man named Norman Borlaug to run it. And it was Norman Borlaug who won the Nobel Prize, and it was Norman Borlaug who got Person of the Week. But when you think about it, it was Henry Wallace who saved the two billion people, wasn't it? Unless, maybe, it was George Washington Carver. When George was a 19-year-old student at Iowa State University, he would take his professor's six-year-old little boy on botanical expeditions with him on weekends. And it was George Washington Carver who fostered a love for plants and nurtured a vision about what plants could do for humanity in that six-year-old little boy. George told young Henry Wallace, remember, God made you to make a difference, and I believe you will. It's amazing to think about, isn't it? On George Washington Carver's grave is written, he could have added fortune and fame, but caring for neither, he found happiness and honor in being helpful to the world. So I'm thinking Carver for Person of the Week. Unless, of course, maybe, it was the farmer from Diamond, Missouri. Moses and Susan had a farm in a slave state, but they didn't believe in slavery. Well, that was a problem for bushwhackers like Quantrill's raiders. And on one cold January night, Quantrill's raiders rode through Moses and Susan's farm, and they burned down the barn, and they shot some people, and they drugged some people off, including a girl named Mary Washington, who refused to let go of her infant son, George. Moses sent word out through neighbors and messengers to set a meeting, and in the middle of the freezing night, he took his black horse and went several hours north to a crossroads in Kansas to meet four of Quantrill's raiders, who showed up on horseback carrying torches with the flour sacks over their heads and the, uh, the holes cut out for their eyes. And there he traded the last horse left on his farm for what they threw at him in a burlap bag. He caught it, and as they thundered off, he got down on his knees and pulled up this bag open, and he lifted out this cold, naked, almost dead infant boy, and he put that boy inside his coat next to his skin, and he wrapped that baby around with his body, and he walked that baby out talking to that child, promising him that he would raise him as his own. And in honor of his mother, who he already knew was dead, he would give that baby his name. And that's how Moses and Susan Carver came to raise that little baby, George Washington. So when you think about it, it was the farmer from Diamond, Missouri that saved the two billion people. Unless... Well, the point is, we could do this all night. How far back could we go? I mean, really, how, who, whose actions at what point in history changed the course of the entire planet, saving two billion people's lives? Who knows who it was? And who knows who it is in your future, whose life will be affected by your actions today and tomorrow? and tomorrow night, and the next day. There are generations yet unborn 
who will be affected by the choices you make and the actions you take today. Because everything you do matters. Every move you make, every action you take, not just for you, not just for your family, not just for your hometown. Everything you do matters for all of us forever. Part of my story is that my dad was a self-employed auctioneer when I was a kid. And one day he came home from a print shop auction with leftover end rolls of newsprint and stacks of paper that nobody else wanted. And I learned later that it was all he could afford to give me. And I, I didn't know the difference. I didn't, I didn't know. And I loved having an abundance of paper to play with. Paper is so cool to play with because if a project doesn't turn out, I can throw it away without too much heartache. And it is amazing to see what can be created using just paper. In elementary school, I learned how to fold an origami bunny and went right home to fold the world's largest origami bunny. I glued enough sheets of newsprint together to cover our entire garage floor. And the bunny fold requires a puff of air to open it up, but the newsprint was too flimsy and it couldn't hold its shape. Well, easy go, because it was only paper nobody wanted anyway. Three years ago, I was laid off from a creative job that I thought I was really good at. And it felt like a message to me that I'm not wanted, that I'm not important. So in response, I wanted to prove my worth and feel important and make a splash in hopes of earning a living by creating things on my own. I also wanted to make a difference somehow with the stuff that I can do. One splashy idea was to enter the paper fashion show contest. In researching and in designing this dress you just saw, I learned about the butterfly effect. I thought it would be cool if I could show you these wings and then tell you this. You are important. You matter. The actions you take matter, not just for now, but forever. What if you see these butterfly wings made out of something as throwawayable as paper and you're inspired to be more intentional about your effect on this planet? Someone said that all men are just big boys who are constantly turning around shouting, hey dad, look what I can do. I think maybe all the stuff I do is so big and flashy because of how much I want to have been wanted and important to my dad. I still long to hear him say, good boy, that's my boy. But what if all these big flashy things I've tried to do are a negative example? Someone might say, that's great, but I can't do that. Well, I found a pretty clear answer in the Bible about what's important and what matters. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be the salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this world. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be light, to bring out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. I've made you light bearers, a city on a hill. I don't want you hidden under a bucket 
I've put you on a light stand, so now shine. Keep open, be generous with your lives. And by doing so, you'll prompt people to open up with God, their generous Father in heaven. Pretty basic. Nothing big and glittery. Salt flavors things. Light dispels darkness. Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Salt and light. Matthew 5, 16 says, Let your light shine before men, that they might see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You know, the most important light in a house is not the extravagant chandelier. It's the little night light that keeps you from stumbling. Benjamin Franklin said, lighthouses are more useful than churches. Useful. How useful is a set of paper wings? Mother Teresa said, I'm a little pencil in the hand of a writing God who is sending a love letter to the world. A little pencil, not very glittery, how can I feel wanted and important to my dad or to God? Like the little boy in me still saying, hey, dad, watch what I can do. Matthew 25, 34. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit. I was in prison, and you came to me. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. This scripture is a reflection from Isaiah. And right after that section, it says in Isaiah 58, 8, do this, and the lights will turn on. And your lives will turn around at once. Your righteousness will pave your way. And the God of glory will secure your passage. Then when you call, God will answer. When you cry out for help, I'll say, here I am. Your lives will begin to glow in the darkness. Your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. I will always show you where to go. I'll give you a full life in the emptiest of places, firm muscles, strong bones. You'll be like a well-watered garden, a gurgling stream that never runs dry. Then you will delight yourself in the Lord, and he will make you ride on the high places of the earth. You'll use old rubble of past lives to build anew, rebuild the foundations out of the past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate, and make the community livable again. What would be, more, what would be a more useful way to spend 150 hours of time making glittery paper wings and winning competitions, trying to prove that I'm wanted and I'm important? What if I spent the same amount of time being useful? 150 hours spent on giving Jesus a drink in thirsty places.
150 hours spent on being his light bearer in dark places. The smallest thing, the fluttering of a butterfly wing. The smallest thing, a little pencil. The smallest thing, a dash of salt. The smallest thing, a nightlight. The world won't change because of big, glittery paper wings. But what if I do the smallest thing?
sermon was helpful to you. Hope it convinced you just a little more of God's love for you and uh, His power to transform um, your life and this entire world. God does love this uh, entire world. That's the city of Denver right out there. We're standing up in the um, bell tower of the place I normally preach. Loves Denver, loves Cairo, loves Moscow, loves Beijing. He loves the whole thing and died for the whole thing. And he's called us uh, to proclaim his message of grace and reconciliation and redemption. And uh, it's something that we hope to do through this website. So we don't want to um, charge for messages, uh, but we want to in invite you to uh, give to this endeavor. Please don't feel like you have to, but, but if you want to, um, we sure would encourage it and you can do so just by pressing on that donate button on the website or by sending your um, donations into, in here to the um, sanctuary downtown. But uh, God bless you and thanks for being a part of this ministry. I want to remind you if there's someone that you want to send this message to, um, you can just email them, tell them about it and, and invite them to listen. So God bless you and uh, believe the gospel. Amen.